have a question for you guys. How many of you like watching nature documentaries? Yeah? Like Shark Week, or maybe Planet Earth, or Deep Blue. So my husband, Joe, really loves these kind of shows, like a lot. <laughs> um, so he especially loves these because you're always like learning different things. He likes to like information binge a little bit. And it's really cool to see all the incredible things in nature. And there's also some incredibly weird things in nature too. Um, like pink dolphins, if any of you guys have seen them. They're super weird looking. Um, and then just like the amazing things of how like penguins can survive in the Antarctic during the winter. Like it's just amazing. But one of the coolest things um, I saw on planet Earth when we were watching uh, one of the shows, I don't know, the last month or so, um, and I didn't know about was the merging of the Amazon River into the ocean. And I, I had never really seen this before. Have any of you guys seen pictures of like the Amazon merging? It's so cool looking. And for one thing, I had never really thought about what a giant like freshwater river would look like merging with salt water. So I actually have a picture of it. Maybe. Wow. It's beautiful. <laughs> no, this is it right there. Yeah, it's like so strange. It has like such clear lines of like what is the river and what is the ocean. Uh, because apparently fresh water and salt water don't mix very well. And I didn't really know that. Um, and I even thinking about it, so there's different animals that live in freshwater and different animals that live in salt water. So it's kind of weird to even imagine like where are the animals in terms of like this water like here. Um, but yeah, there's just so many cool things with this, just imagining kind of what the Amazon River is doing here. Um, yeah, and I was thinking about this um, this image and thinking about our text tonight. And I really realized that our lives are very similar to this picture. Because there are two ways we tend to live our life. We're either following God or not following God. And for me, I've noticed that even though I gave my life to Christ when I was in high school, I still find myself doing things that I don't want to do. Um, and it is like the verses from Paul, which are, it's like a whole bunch of confusing jumble of words in this passage, but I still love it. It's Romans 7, uh, 15 through 20, and I'm going to read it. So it says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but is, it is the sin living in me that does it. 
So can you guys relate to these verses at all in terms of this? I know I do a lot. And especially with this series of Let's Talk. Because not all my words in my head or the words that come out of my mouth, I think God would find pleasing. There are words that pop out of my mouth that I just wish I could stuff right back in. And there's, there's things that we've talked about this quarter, like cursing others or gossiping or saying and thinking inappropriate jokes. And I just do all those things, and I don't want to do them. And I'm going to assume that since you guys are human too, you might relate to me in this way. And I'm going to assume that just like me and just like Paul in these verses, you see two very different sides in you. There's the first side that wants to please God and speak good words and do good things. And then there's the second completely different side where you just want to please yourself, you say super harsh or bitter things, and you end up doing things that you regret. So you know what's nice? The Bible doesn't just record people that are perfect, but really talks directly to those of us that just aren't perfect. And I really appreciate this about God's word. And today, to close out our series, we're going to be reading in James 3, in these verses we are reading, um, the author James just completely seems to understand that our mouths can get away from us sometimes, and he encourages us to find ways to control our words. So turn with me to James 3. We're going to read the whole chapter. So James 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example, although they are so large, um, although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? 
Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. So in thinking through what to say um, to close out this series, these verses, this chapter, really helped me a lot. Because what I really hope you get from this quarter is that your words are extremely important. God cares so much about the words we say, and he tells us it matters in his word. And the thing that came to mind um, as I was reading this chapter and praying of what to say tonight, um, I came up with a somewhat strange phrase, but it carries a lot of what I hope you understand. And it's the title of my message tonight, uh, which is, Words are a Dangerous Privilege. And I know this is kind of a bipolar statement, um, but it came out of me thinking about verse nine, verses 9 through 12. The first part of it, how it's just like back and forth, like out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. And then he says, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? So this whole chapter is all about what we say. And from these verses, James directly shows how our words can direct the fruit of our lives. Do you want to follow Christ? And do you want to bear good fruit? Then we must be careful with our words and how we speak. And I hope tonight that you realize our words can be remarkably dangerous and lead our lives in one way, or they can be remarkably good and lead our lives in another way. James says, from the same mouth come praise and cursing. Each of us is capable of both great evil and great good. Oftentimes, these don't really mix well together, just like the image of the Amazon River colliding with the ocean. The fresh water and the salt water don't mix. Because honestly, our words are two ways. They, they can either, just like our lives, follow the light or follow the dark. They can bring life or bring death. They are dangerous, and yet they are a privilege and a joy. And so I want to dive deeper into this title of my message. So the first thing I wanted to answer was, how are our words dangerous? So James says in verse 2, anyone who is never at fault in what he says is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So he then goes on to describe how our tongue, though so small, can direct the course of our life. It is like a rudder of a ship, is what he says. And what does a rudder of a ship do? It literally directs the course of the ship. It chooses the direction of where the ship is going. 
So I want to rephrase that because it is important. James relates our tongue to a ship rudder, which means our tongue will directly affect our whole lives and our whole body. So isn't that a strong statement? But I honestly believe it is true because if we like truly think about our words, honestly, as I said in a message earlier this quarter, it is through our words that we process this world. And through words, we understand life. And this is probably why James warns us that not everyone should be teachers, because to be a teacher means you influence someone's worldview and how they live and how they experience life. So here are two specific ways that words are dangerous for us and how our tongue and words can be a rudder. So the first one is words you believe, whether thought or said out loud, direct your whole life. And the best way I thought to describe this was just to directly talk about examples from my own life. And I was thinking about some of the lies that I have believed in the past and that have started to destroy my life. And all of these phrases are false, no matter really who you are. But So let's look at the first untruth that I told myself. I am ugly and untalented. When I have told myself these things, the more often I repeated them in my mind, the more I believed them. And the more I believed them, the more I started acting like they were true, that I was untalented. So I wouldn't step up and work that much. And I didn't want to spend time with friends. It was words like these that I believed about myself that spiraled me down into depression, not wanting to really get out of bed in the morning because I believed that these were true. And when I look at scripture, these are completely untrue for anyone because God calls us precious and beautiful and wonderfully made. But if I don't rely on knowing what God says is true, then I will destroy my self-worth by acting as if I am worthless. And I will damage myself with the untruths that I believe. So then, another way that our beliefs direct our life, um, an example of a lie I told myself was, that person is destroying my life. And I first want to say that this it can be real that like people truly do hurt us and they might make our lives harder. If you've ever had a difficult boss or a professor, go with that, you know what I'm talking about. Um, or if you'd have, you've had a family member or a significant other or a friend be abusive to you, you understand what I'm saying. People are going to hurt us. But... If you start believing things like that person is destroying my life, you can be like me and become bitter and hard-hearted at times, not able to really see who they are. And then you start looking at other people as if they are enemies. And I isolated myself or I would lash out at others because I considered myself the victim. And it's true that like, People can really hurt your life, like your physical, earthly life, but they can never destroy your eternal life. So here is the real truth. Like, no person can truly destroy 
your complete life. I can give people power by saying that they have control over me, um, but honestly, God is the only one who has control over my life completely. So will I succumb to being a victim and being bitter and hard-hearted toward people? Or will I instead learn to love people and learn to see the ways that God has blessed my life regardless of my certain circumstances and live a life of thankfulness and freedom? So the third way that my beliefs have sometimes gone astray would be that God is not trustworthy. And so this is kind of a sneaky phrase. It like sometimes creeps into my life without me even realizing it. And it comes at times like when I felt that God called me to a certain place or to do a certain thing, and it turned out to be a really horrible experience. Or it came at times like when I saw my loved ones suffering, um, like when my mom got cancer or when my grandmother died. And these are times that I think, like, God, why did you let that happen? Why are you putting me through this? And why are you putting the, love, the ones that I love through this? If you aren't going to protect me, then why should I follow you? So the problem with this is that God ways, he, his ways are not our own. And, he, and we may never understand, like, why God let something happen, or we may, may never come to understand until like years later when we see the good fruit that came out of something that was truly awful. But if I start believing that God is not trustworthy, I start taking back my life into my own hands. And if I do that, then I am doing the opposite of what God tells me I am to do as his follower. So Jesus says that we are to take up our cross and follow him. And he calls us to lose our life for the sake of him. And if we stop fully trusting him completely and fully following him completely, we can really risk our relationship with him. And if we start believing this lie, we destroy our relationship with God. So what words are you believing that are directing your life in ways that you don't want to go? And what lies are you believing lately that are destroying yourself or destroying your relationship with God? So the second way uh, that words can be dangerous is that the words you say to others can destroy your relationships. So besides just relating words to a rudder of a ship, James also says that words are like a spark or like a fire. So we're going to read those verses again. That's five and six, and it says, Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So I want you guys to think of times that you have been at odds with someone, or maybe when you've seen your friends or your parents at odds with someone. Doesn't it normally have something to do with words, one way or another? And it doesn't take much 
much for us to become upset with someone, does it? So it can be just like one single sentence that someone says, or even just one single word. So I was even thinking of strong words um, and ones that like came to mind that make me feel really squeamish or uncomfortable are like the words like racist or homophobe, blah. It's like single words can truly carry incredible power. So with just a few words, we can set ablaze our lives, turning what used to be growth and good things into a huge blaze that we need to figure out how to put out. So how many of you guys have heard of the Taylor Bridge fire that was here in Ellensburg in the past? A couple of you guys. So this happened when my husband, Joe, here was, he was a student here, and it was back in 2012, and it was a huge fire that got really close to actually the town of Ellensburg, and it was all over Kittitas. Um, and it, it burned a lot. So it was over 23,000 acres of land that were burned, and 61 homes were destroyed in this fire. And I actually have a picture from the newspaper that kind of got famous from it. So how do you guys think this fire started? So normally when I think of forest fires, I think of lightning. But this one was started differently. It was actually from a construction crew mending a bridge close to Cleelum. And they were welding, and it literally was just a tiny spark in the heat of summer that caught part of the brush on fire nearby. Just one tiny spark when doing something so well-intentioned. So imagine the crew seeing the fire and trying to put it out but it just got way out of hand before they could really do anything. And so it can be with the words that we say. A single phrase or even one conversation can potentially destroy whole friendships with people or even entire families. And have you ever said something and saw that someone was hurt and then you tried to fix it? That has happened to me multiple times. And normally, when I try to fix it, I just keep putting my foot back in my mouth anyways and just keep hurting them when I'm really trying to just, like, put it out. It really can be an uncontrollable fire when we say hurtful things to people. And the phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, is so untrue. <laughs> um, we can hurt people with our words so much which is why our words can be so dangerous. So how are the words you have said lately been dangerous to yourself or to other people? So besides our words being dangerous, there is a good side to them as well. They are an extreme privilege, actually. Um, and I want to answer the question, like, how are our words a privilege? So God has really given us an amazing gift with communication. Because if you think about words, really, they do add so much value to our lives. With words, we can communicate with others. We can experience life and know life in a richer and fuller way. 
And I believe God really did create a gift for us when he made our brains capable of forming language and forming words. Because without words, we wouldn't be able to understand others very well. We already struggle to understand them with words, but like we, we wouldn't really understand them that much if we didn't have words. And we wouldn't even be able to understand the past if we didn't have words either. And without words, our movies or shows would be quite different and probably quite less meaningful. Um, and without words, we couldn't really communicate with our families or friends over long distance. So here are just a few things that I was thinking about in terms of like how are, how are our words a gift uh, from the Lord and how are they a privilege? And I came up with a list and the, the first one on there is we're able to get to know one another through words and we're able to express love to one another or even express encouragement and strengthen people with our words. And we can share stories with people and we can learn history and learn from the past with words. And we can even learn new things, like all of the things you're learning in your classes with your professors. A lot of times they have to describe it with a lot of words. <laughs> um, and we can offer forgiveness to people. We can offer truth and freedom for people. And then the last one is even scripture. Like we wouldn't be able to really understand God that well if we didn't have words from his Bible. So life is enriched so much because of communication in words. Have you ever stopped to thank God for how we can even communicate? Have you ever stopped to thank him for giving you the privilege of speaking life and enriching those around you through words? Because with words, we can do so much good. We can get to know people well. We can teach other people and we can encourage them and help their lives become more full of truth and of joy. And what an amazing privilege we have from God. So how have your words lately been a gift or a privilege to other people? And so to conclude for tonight, um, I am just going to be kind of blunt. <laughs> by I really want you guys to understand that from this quarter, your words matter so much. Like really, truly, your words matter so much. Because if our words can cause great damage to us or to others or to our relationship with God, why would we not try to control them? And if our words are dangerous, then why do we act as if words are cheap? And why do we act like we can say anything and it won't matter? Or that we can post anything and it won't matter? Our words, like what we believe, can damage our lives, so why don't we watch our minds? And if the words we say can light a spark or set a fire to a whole friend group or a whole family, why do we not watch what passes through our lips? So Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. When we speak a lot, we have more of a chance to sin or say something damaging. And we live in a culture where people probably speak too much. 
And I think God knows us well when he says in his word to be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. To be people countercultural, I think we need to be people who control our tongues. And we need to think first before we speak. And when we have things uh, to say to people, like speaking truth or life or joy into people, then we need to learn to speak up in those moments and to bring life to people. So with our words being a dangerous privilege, we need to realize that our words completely matter. They matter for how you will live your life and what your life will be. They matter for your relationship with God, and they matter for your relationships with other people. So are you realizing that God has given you great power with words? It's like the Uncle Ben phrase from Spider-Man that says, with great power comes great responsibility. So are you taking responsibility for your words? And maybe you want to change your words, what you believe in your head or what you say out loud, but maybe you are daunted by the phrase in James 3, um, verse 8, that says, but no human, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And I do have an answer for you with this. So this verse says that no human can tame the tongue but it doesn't say that God can't tame your tongue. So with God, all things are possible. And he says that if we seek him, that we will find him. And he says he will make us new if we are willing. And when the disciples felt overwhelmed when Jesus said that it was impossible for the rich man to change, they cried out and he answered, but with God, all things are possible. So with all this in mind, to close out our series completely, I wanted to get into small groups tonight, actually. Um, and a lot of times after a message or an entire series, I might listen, but I forget to apply anything. So um, during this time, I really want it to be a time that you guys can truly process what you've been learning this quarter and really ask the questions like, how am I going to change? And what am I going to ask God to change in me? So this is what it's going to look like before we head to worship. Um, we're going to get into groups of two or three people. And feel free to like spread out if you want to as well. And there's just going to be questions up on the board for you guys to go, go through in your small groups. And then um, there's going to be some prayer to like close that out too. So go ahead and do that now.